everyone, and welcome to Sharing Everything. We are your hosts, Katie. And Joe. Balecki. Yeah. And we are married, and we like making each other watch movies we like. Joe, what did we watch this week? We watched Polly. 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 Would you like to tell us what Polly was about? A parrot. A parrot? Mm-hmm. A parrot in a basement who's found from the guy who runs the pawn shop in uh, Men in Black 2. Okay. Um, also also known as Monk. Yes. And or Tony Shaloub. Yes. Who plays a kind of racist Russian stereotype. <laughs> um, and he finds a talking parrot, which isn't notable except for the fact that he seems to be sentient. And, and sort of a wise guy. Wise, cracking, New York living um, parrot who uh, used to be the pet of Helen Keller. <laughs> you are just going to make this super confusing for anybody All right, listening. so, so uh, a, a Russian guy comes to America to be a big shoot. Um, <laughs> he doesn't say big shot because he only speaks in, in present tense. I loved that. <laughs> uh, which really uh, it had nothing to do with the story except no. for the fact that he wanted to have a joke where he said big shoot instead of big shot. Anyway, so he he's, he works at some animal testing, yeah. like an animal research lab, like yeah. at a university, not yes. like a like a makeup plant or something. No. Like it's they're doing research on animals to, and it's like a speech lab for animals. Like they got monkeys and and parrots and stuff there to yeah. to, because language is is really what separates us from animals. Also murder, but <laughs> but since it's a kids movie, they focused on language. Yes. Um, so the janitor goes into the basement, which is where his like office is, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right? He's got like a workbench down there. Um, but they also put like the smartest talking parrot down there, all by himself. Yes. Uh, so the janitor starts talking to the parrot, and the parrot tells him his story. He used to be the parrot of a little girl, but her PTSD-ridden army veteran dad got sick of him and and gave him away. Mm-hmm. Or set him free? Gave him away? What did he do? Gave him away. Who did he give him to? The pawn shop. He gave him to the pawn shop? Mm-hmm. Okay. It wasn't super clear. No. Because he talked about how he was in like commercials and advertisements and stuff for a little bit. Polly did. Oh, yeah. He did. Yeah, he's like, well, I've done a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, I guess I don't remember where he went. Yeah. So anyway, the PTSD dad says, no parrots because you fell off a roof because you tried to <laughs> teach the parrot to fly because the parrot's afraid of heights. Yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't make sense, but I guess I guess they needed a reason to make Helen Keller fall off the roof, and it's not Helen Keller; it's Jesse. Marie. It's Jesse Eisenberg's sister who plays Helen Keller in the Helen Keller like Lifetime TV movie thing. And in this movie, her name is Marie. And in this movie, her name is Marie. So, Bali winds up in a pawn shop, and he gets bought by an old lady mm-hmm. named Ivy. Named Ivy, and they drive across the country to go find marie because they found out that she moved to la mm-hmm. um and then the old lady goes blind because she's an old lady and they need a conflict so uh he then learns to fly polly does mm-hmm. not the old lady or the pawn shop owner but polly yes where he flies all the way across the country with no need for food or drink at all apparently he probably stopped and um finds some spanish talking parrot lady Mm -hmm. uh who leads him to chich marin (laughs) chich marine (laughs) who is a taco food truck owner and mariachi man with parrots with dancing singing parrots yes okay um and then not ryan gosling who wanted to who was in new york Mm-hmm. who wanted to buy the parrot but the old lady was like nah bro i'm an old lady and i will buy the parrot mm-hmm. he he winds up in in la too yep because he's like a con man because he's like a con man mm-hmm. his name is benny his name is benny so benny calls immigration on all the hispanic people because he's racist and okay. wants the parrot he wants the parrot. He, he gets like 50 people potentially deported because he wants a talking parrot yeah um and then he teaches 
he and Polly go into business together, stealing people's credit cards mm-hmm. so that they can identity theft them at ATMs. Mm-hmm. Until... Does he just... What happens? They Benny's, break into a house. Benny's girlfriend says, hey, this ATM crap isn't cutting it. Yeah. I want some big diamonds. So oh. they start robbing people's houses. That's right. Because Polly was in a pawn shop for so long that he can tell a fake diamond from the yes. real one. Because mm-hmm. he's a sentient parrot. Yes. Remember. <laughs> so they break into a house. Mm-hmm. And it goes wrong. Something. The, somebody, wake, somebody wakes up and starts attacking Polly with like a broom or something. Oh. And so Benny and his girlfriend, they just drive away and leave Polly there. But I think he gets out through the roof or the the chimney. He got in through the chimney. Did he get out through? Anyway, he gets out of the house. Yes. No. How does he get to the university? Doesn't he just get captured and brought to the university? By the guy who's oh yeah yeah so the he guy doesn't get out. It is no. Well, he gets out, but... I mean, he gets captured. The guy whose house it is takes him to the university because apparently he has a connection with the main head of the research place. Yeah, which isn't that far-fetched because he's got lots of money. So yeah. he probably works in academia because teachers are paid so much in America. Mm-hmm. Um, wherein the head guy realizes that Polly is the breakthrough that they've been looking for. Mm-hmm. A supernatural parrot is exactly what they need. <laughs> um, but at some point before he shows him to all of his academic friends, uh, Polly overhears him talking on the phone or something. About finding Marie. About finding Marie. That's right. And he said, yes, I found her, but I want this parrot. Because there's no way that she would allow the parrot to be like he it's kind of it's kind of one of those kids movie tropes where it's just like oh yep we found her but i need to be the antagonist right now yeah because like in real life he would call her and he would say yo i found your parrot Mm -hmm. um he is a scientific marvel and i want to work something out with you because he's amazing for science and is going to revolutionize the way that we interact with animals Mm -hmm. and how we see ourselves and i'm going to return the parrot to you because i'm a human being and that's what we do because we're we're humans yes um but like i need to study your parrot Mm -hmm. at which point she being not a misanthrope would say oh geez yeah no yeah this he's a special parrot let's by all means yeah. yeah um there's this really like kind of sad moment where Paul, after Polly hears this he's like okay i'll talk for you but then could you promise to take me to marie and the guy's like yeah i promise oh yeah and then and then he overhears him again mm-hmm. talking about how no he's, yeah he's he's my parent and that's when he like shuts his beak and starts going bananas well yeah so so the super smart scientist professor man decides mm-hmm. to instead of taking a video or making recordings or something mm-hmm. decides to just have all of the all of his peers get in a room and rely on an animal to do something that he wants it to do mm-hmm. um while giving the animal no incentive at all to do it mm-hmm. um so Polly who is already mad and knows that he's not getting back to Marie via this guy decides to be spiteful and say no i'm not gonna help this dude out Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna call him an asshat and fly around the room and 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 just be a jerk Mm -hmm. uh at which point they put him in the basement for tony shalhoub to find him yes um then tony shalhoub the russian janitor decides he's going to steal the parrot Mm -hmm. so he does yes and then he brings her to marie Mm-hmm. and and who is now an adult yes and um falls in love with her presumably mm-hmm. yeah that was that was that's, basically the movie that's the movie polly so in general you enjoyed the movie yeah no as as, as far as talking animal kids movies go i think this is the best one i have yet seen yeah there are let's just say several zillion children's movies with talking animals as main characters Mm -hmm. uh we've got let's see we've got charlotte's web Mm -hmm. we've got babe we've got 
Um, Madagascar movies. Babe. Mm-hmm. Directed by the same guy who did the Mad Max movies. Yes, that is true. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah. Zookeeper, Doctor Doolittle, mm, Homeward yeah. Bound, yeah. which stars almost entirely animals. Love that uh, movie. Lars von Trier's Antichrist has a has a minute where there's a fox that That's talks. That's not a children's movie. It's, well, <laughs> that is true. Um, so, talking animals in kids' movies is a really big thing. Yeah, and. I think it's a thing because we sort of view animals, at least the types of animals that are humanized for movies, as domestic and sort of like innocent like children. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like a, hey, this makes sense kind of thing. Um, So, and I think kids really like that because kids sort of already probably have relationships with pets and stuff that are more um i guess real to them than like their parents have with the pet yeah i don't know well i mean because you're closer to eye level with them you know your imagination is still your imagination is, is working overtime and animals generally pets are like unconditionally loving so mm-hmm. you know it it's um you know you can make your parents mad and that sticks with you but it doesn't really stick with you if your dog walks away because you're pulling its tail you know yeah I think the thing for, okay, so a little backstory. I think I talked about this when I told you last time what we were going to be watching, but this movie came out when I was five years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 1998. Yep. And I loved this movie so much that I made my parents keep renewing this movie from Blockbuster or Hollywood Video over and over and over because I was just in love with this movie. Mm-hmm. And like... I was so enthralled by it. And then, you know, obviously my teenage adult life has passed me by and I just rewatched this movie for the first time in probably 15 years, Mm. more than that maybe, when I just watched it with you. And I was sitting there trying to figure out what it was about this movie that I loved so much when I was a kid that I would watch it on repeat. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought as an adult it was a good movie. Yeah. But I'm just trying, I, like, I was trying to figure out, because it wasn't particularly, particularly, like, kids movie, you know? Yeah. There were a lot of adult messages in there, kind of. Yeah, well, and the the overarching, like, message of the movie is a little bit more, um... Maybe sophisticated? Not, not, yeah, sophisticated. That's the word than yeah. most kid movies. Because most kid movies are like, be brave, yeah, yeah. be kind, friendship is magic. But this one is like, don't be afraid to speak up if something wrong is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but the something wrong that is happening is like way more sophisticated and sort of like esoteric. Because like the question, it's like a Star Trek TNG question. It's like, should I like take this parrot back or should i do i have a responsibility to science do i have a responsibility to this bird that is my friend like Mm -hmm. um because you know the argument could be made that you have a responsibility to humanity as a whole to try to convince this bird to participate in the science Mm -hmm. so that humanity as a whole because you're not really helping anyone um aside from marie and maybe yourself yeah by by taking it back to marie and I think something else is that Marie was the only child in this movie. Also, yes. Every character was an adult. Yeah. We I don't think we even see any other kids until the very end and when we see this little girl who's hanging out at Marie's house. Yeah, who who kind of looks like young Marie. Yeah. So I think that also and like we never saw Polly like we saw Polly as like a baby bird, mm-hmm. but like as soon as he started talking, he was an adult. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just think that it was interesting that I was so in love with this movie and, like, the only kid character we see for maybe 15 minutes in the beginning of the movie and we never see again. Yeah. So, um, and I thought that I probably never, like, caught on to the message of this movie when I was a kid. I was a smart kid, but, you know, I don't think I could have caught on to that. Yeah. But 
pretty much to me it was like you said speaking when something is wrong and I just sort of thought that the message of the movie was to let your voice be heard and yeah. finding your voice like mm-hmm. so we've got Marie who has a stutter oh yeah I forgot to mention that yeah. that's a big that's a big thing that's why her mom initially bought her Polly well her grandpa bought her Polly. Her grandpa yeah. bought her Polly yeah so she had a stutter and she was trying to learn how to speak through like a speech therapist and like flashcards and everything and she just couldn't get the hang of it and then her dad was like just marie just do it you know this word just do it and so he said i forget what the word was like it's like cup 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 that's what it was he's like cup marie cup and then the mom's like yeah come on marie you can say cup and then the dad freaks out and he's like just let her say it and i'm like dude you just said the word like six times Mm -hmm. he was ugh. He well, was terrible. well, it's interesting. I like that they made him a military guy mm-hmm. um, because he was older, and by the look of his uniform, he wasn't just some infantry dude. Like no. he's he's definitely some sort of officer who was out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of nice uh, for me as an adult. I mean, I probably went to picked up on it as a kid, but so he's an officer in the military, and he's been gone for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a very young girl who probably doesn't remember him all that much. Yeah, they sort of made that a point that she didn't remember him. She, He said, how about a handshake? And so, because mm-hmm. she wouldn't hug him. Yeah. Um, so, he is used to a very violent, mm-hmm. regimented, and disciplined life. And is probably not used to raising a daughter. No, definitely um, not. So, because, I mean, even if he was gone for two years, the last time she saw him, she was three. Right. So, like, she wasn't even really a person yet. Yeah. You know, you, you don't start becoming aware of yourself till you're, like, four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I like that they just made him a military person to sort of imply those things instead yeah. of just making him an asshole dad. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice because... Then, then it's just a little bit deeper than dad is an asshole, which is a lot of the things in this movie I liked because they did sort of like cater to um, the adult. Mm-hmm. And when I took my multiple like media studies classes in my broadcasting major, mm-hmm. there, anytime we talked about kids' movies or TV shows, it was always there has to be just as much for the parents watching the thing with their kid yeah. as there is for the kid. Otherwise... It's your TV show is going to do terribly. Is why right. everyone hates Teletubbies. Is mm-hmm. because there's nothing in there for people who are above the age of two who aren't really, 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 really high. <laughs> yeah. There's there's just nothing there. Mm-hmm. It's it's a substanceless thing. Um, on the other hand, you know the guy who made the Powerpuff Girls is behind the new My Little Pony thing, mm-hmm. and that spawned a whole like subculture. Yeah. And that's because there's all those jokes in there, and I mean like. Like, go back and rewatch the Animaniacs. Like, oh my god, that <laughs> yeah. show was so horny. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Um, and, and so this movie, the reason why it was so successful for me was because there was a lot in it for me. Mm-hmm. You know, they had Cheech Marine in it. Yeah. Who, you know, from Cheech and Chong. He's the stoner guy mm-hmm. who also about this time, I forget what year from Dusk Till Dawn came out, but it was about the same time, maybe a couple years after. Mm-hmm. So he went from being stoner dude to being in some kids' movies, to being the kind of uh, big bad guy in, in a Quentin Tarantino movie, mm-hmm. um, which good for him. Right. For, for one, like... Diversifying his portfolio. Yeah. I was, <laughs> who was it that I was talking about in one of our earlier episodes? Uh, Ron Swanson, Nick Offerman. Yeah. How I was worried that he doesn't mm-hmm. isn't given enough range. Yeah. That's because Cheech Marine can go from doing stoner, dumb stoner comedies to kids movies to Quentin Tarantino horror movies mm-hmm. um, and feel like he fits in all of them. Yeah. Um, and like the big shoot joke would have gone way over my head yeah, as a definitely. little kid um, because it's it's more than just like a grammar joke. He's like, no, like I'm only looking forward now because yeah. I'm in America. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I liked that. Um, so, like, like we mentioned, Marie had to find her voice. Polly found his voice very unexpectedly. Um, and oh yeah, I like the way that they explained it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was sort of just learning alongside Marie, mm-hmm. like well, she was teaching him. Yeah. Well, he said, like, the more words I learned, the what? 
happier Marie got or something like that. Oh yeah. Like he 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 even just like outright says his motivation for learning to speak. Yeah. Um, which does imply that he was like sentient before that. Yeah. Which I has think some so. interesting implications. Like, does that mean in this universe all animals are sentient and they I just need like a reason, too. or is he special? Because I guess I guess it, we would have known if he would have not been so stubborn and let us study him. <laughs> but yeah, like none of the other animals at the research facility. I mean, granted, we only saw them for a minute while they were all escaping. Oh yeah, but like he, he made... none of them had any humanized speech or anything. When Polly first gets to Los Angeles and he sees one of Cheech Marine's parrots, Lupe, mm-hmm. she says like something to him in understandable English. Like no, some she sort of she accent. speaks Spanish. Oh yeah, well, and she just said, "I'm Lupe, and I'm really pretty." Yeah. But Mi like, muy bonita. But then, like none of the other parrots that she was with other ever spoke. So, and Cheech Marine never knew that his parrots spoke. So I'm wondering. Well, I mean, we got to be kind of specific here. Spoke in intelligent, like sentient English. Yeah. English. Yeah. Do they? By the time he leaves, has he taught them to speak, or are they still just mimicking? They're still mimicking. So they're still yeah. just regular parrots. Yeah. Because I remember him being kind of confused. Like, wait a minute. What's what's going on? With Polly. Yeah. No, Polly was that with Lupe. Like, Because he was talking to her. And he's like, hey, oh. I really like you. And she said, hey, I really like you. Mm-hmm. And he's like, wait, are you just yeah. copying me? And she's like, are you just copying me? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it's implied that in, in this universe, Polly is kind of one of a kind. Yeah. Which is cool because that makes him more special, and that makes us want to see him reunited with his 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 owner again. Right. Um, another character who sort of found their voice was Tony Schlub. Mm-hmm. I cannot remember what his character name it was. Doesn't matter. The janitor. Um, Jan Etor. Jan Etor. Um, he he's he told his story to Polly and like. A very short like five sentences about how his girlfriend married his best friend or something oh like yeah and so that's Bitch. sort of why he came to america just to start over yeah um but i like that the people who seemed to interact with polly and that polly wanted to talk to were the people who needed it mm. ivy needed it because her husband died mm-hmm Tony Shalhoub needed it because he was lonely. Mm-hmm. Marie needed it because she just needed somebody. What about Benny? Benny, see, that was the sort of the interesting exception. And I was wondering if the reason why Polly talked to Benny was because he thought, Polly thought, that Benny was going to get him to Marie. Uh, well, he did say that, yeah. Yeah, so it was sort of like an opportunistic thing, I think. Mm-hmm. But all of the people that Polly formed like meaningful relationships with were the people who needed it. Mm-hmm. Or or just generally good-hearted people. Yeah. I, again, I don't think Cheech Marine really needed it, but he, he did true. become friends with him because he was a good-hearted person. Same yeah. thing with the pawn shop guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Man, I wish real life was like that. I wish I wish I could just refuse to speak to people <laughs> who I didn't respect and have people just be like, "Oh, okay." Eh, like that'd be so it's not dope. Fly. I know it's not gonna fly. <laughs> I should try that. I should try just giving people I don't respect the silent treatment, just like in every day, just yeah. like like my boss <laughs> just asks me to do something. I just stare at him, and like yeah. I, I'll do it. I just won't speak to him. <laughs> Um, so this movie's yeah. been such a good influence on me. It sure has. Um, so something that I really, really enjoyed this adult time, not adult time, this adult version of myself watching this movie mm-hmm. was how they sort of portrayed the passage of time. Because... I loved that you didn't really know how much time was passing. Yeah, it was it was sort of a surprise when It really was. Like because you sort of had two like you in your mind you had two scenarios. You're like, okay, either he's been gone for a couple of years and he'll get to see, you know, Marie being basically the same Marie, mm-hmm. just a little bit older, or which turned out to be like she's an adult now yeah and so much time has passed so he was gone for like 25 years 
Mm, I'd say she was probably early 20s. So she was, I think so, early mid 20s. Okay. So he was gone for like 20 years. 20 years, yeah. So, but like, I like, because now we have no idea how long was he with Ivy before she died. Mm-hmm. Like, how long was he sitting in that pawn shop, you know? Yeah. You know, I like that because it, it, that that way it it sort of strengthens the meaning of the relationship with mm-hmm. with each person that he's with yeah um because yeah like homeward bound type stories because i mean essentially this is a road trip movie yeah um do you know everything happens in a weekend so you're supposed to believe that you're making these meaningful mm-hmm. bonds with people like in in the span of really only a couple hours right um whereas this like yeah he definitely like stayed with ivy for a while Years, even probably. even after they stopped mm-hmm. driving, he he hung around until, you know, until she hung, kicked the bucket. Uh, yeah, which I like that just shows you that Polly like he is a bird and he is more human and understanding and caring and like loving than a lot of humans are. Yeah, which I think is maybe getting back to what we were talking about earlier about why we use animals so much. Mm-hmm. I think maybe you can do that because then it's believable because like i said like animals tend to show unconditional love a lot more but then you you personify the bird and it's it's a more it's a better way to inspire kids to be good people because if Mm. you just show a good person it can either feel unattainable or not real yeah um but if you show an animal who is who is a good person mm-hmm. um it is unattainable because you'll never be poly you'll never be a bird right but you can at least aspire to it and it, and it feels like you know not like you're trying reasonable. to live up to something it's just yeah. like you're you're being inspired by them yeah you're being introduced to concepts yeah um without the the trimmings of expectations or, or mm-hmm. anything it's a real sneaky way to it really is to get kids to to do what you want socialization is interesting it's mm-hmm. it's kind of scary if you think yeah. about it yeah i uh i this is sort of off topic but at the beginning of the movie when we see marie and polly sort of like forming their their friendship mm-hmm. there's just so many cute little details of polly just sort of like pecking at people's feet and sort of like um there's a point where he Oh, what did he do? He, like, got... Like, Marie put him somewhere and he stayed there. I don't know. Just, like, cute little things where he was, like, a baby. And, -hmm. like, she was taking care of him. And it was just so cute. Like, he followed her into the room when she was seeing her dad again for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I just, like... All that stuff. That's probably what I loved when I was a kid. Probably. And then, so I was just sort of stuck with the movie because I fell in love with this bird. But... Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know why I felt the need to say any of that, but um, let's see. So the passage of time, I liked that they sort of made it ambiguous for us, mm-hmm. so that the ending was a surprise. Yeah, well, because I was like, "What? No, she doesn't remember him." Oh no! Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> I was like, "I don't think that's the same actress," because they did a good job too of like not really showing her face. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a nice surprise at the end. Um, and that just sort of like strengthened the meaning of this movie was that once you find well once you find somebody you really care about you're sort of like you know always going to be part of their lives or they're always going to be part of your lives like she never gave up hope yeah after all the like she probably did Mm -hmm. but like seeing him again it like they just picked up where they left off yeah well it's also interesting too how the only other people that he hung out with were adults Mm -hmm. who were very who were middle-aged or older Mm -hmm. um so that he's not used to seeing people age yeah because when he saw her as an adult he didn't recognize her at first Mm -hmm. um because he's a bird so he's not used to seeing that especially since he's spent x amount of time in a basement Mm -hmm. yeah and that was interesting too like when we first saw tony shalhoub see the bird he mentioned something about how to the other janitor about how he was losing his feathers and stuff like that mm-hmm. and it was i liked that it, like once we got to the end of the movie i was kind of like oh that could have been an ambiguous thing like oh he's in this animal research facility so maybe they're mistreating him but no he's probably just getting really old yeah because <laughs> that I'm, bird was like 25 now <laughs> yeah that's, that's an old bird yeah. um 
So I, I guess my biggest problem with the movie was the sort of plot hole type things to set up why he's in the basement. Like like I said in my description of the movie, mm-hmm. sort of not impressed with the way that the whole research facility thing was written. Mm-hmm. Like, why would he put him in the basement? Like, that just seems spiteful, right? Like, Yeah, well, it, that's what it was. Okay, so it's a professor who's spiting a bird. <laughs> you know, like... Right, but it's a very human bird. I know, and I guess he knows that. But at the end of the day, you're still just spiting a bird. Yeah, he wasn't a great guy. Um, I think maybe a lot of why we didn't get more to that story is because it's a kid's movie and they didn't want to terrify anyone. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I understand, you know... Um, you can take more liberties and you don't have to be as ironclad with your logic in kids' movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, we did just spend, like, five minutes talking about whether or not Polly was the only sentient animal <laughs> on the planet in this universe. So, yeah. you know, like, they did a good job of setting that up. Mm-hmm. Like, like they made a point to show it with, with uh, oh, geez, what was her name? The, the girl bird. Lupe. Lupe. I wanted to say Lupita, but that just makes me racist. Um <laughs> With Lupe, that he's, like, a special, special bird. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Like... <sighs> I think the reason why he put him in the basement was to maybe teach Polly a lesson. To say, once you decide to start talking again, you'll see the light of day again. Because there was that moment, even before he was taken... No. Well, in the in the movie, but not in, like, the actual timeline of events. Mm-hmm. We see, before we find out how Polly ended up in the basement... Oh, yeah. Tony Shalhoub brings Tony them down Shalhoub there. Tony bringing them down there. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of look interested. Like, they're like, yeah, is he going to talk? Because maybe we'll take him out of the basement if he's going to talk. Yeah. Side note... They all did seem skeptical, though. They were like, he's not a talking bird. Yeah, but maybe that's just because they didn't want to get their expectations high. Or, 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 I don't know, probably didn't want him to look into it deeper. Yeah. Because upon looking into it deeper, he ended up stealing the bird. Yeah, that's true. Um, Kind of side note, I, for the longest time when we were watching the scene between Tony Shalhoub and the, the research guy... Mm-hmm. I was thinking, wow, this head up bigwig guy is really treating this no English janitor with a lot of respect. He was very patient. He was. With him. Even before he started talking about Polly. Yeah. So, and I was like, that's a really good thing to put in a kid's movie. Although, they kind of ruined it. I mean, to me, he did seem a little patronizing. A little. But yeah, he wasn't just an asshole and no. was like, get, get a janitor, leave me alone. Exactly. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a nice detail to put in Especially the since the guy who was training him was like, hey, don't mess with the press. Mm-hmm. Don't talk to them. They yeah. they got more important things to do than mm-hmm. talk to you. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they ruined that thing, but I just thought for what it was worth, that was mm-hmm. that was a nice thing. Um, this movie does not pass the Bechdel test. It does not. Not even close. No, it doesn't. There's like you've got the well, you've got the mom and the daughter talking, talking about language and learning words. And I guess stuff. that's true. And okay, I guess it does barely because yeah, then well, she doesn't really hold a conversation with the speech therapist, but the speech therapist is also a woman. Yeah. So there's her and her mom, and the speech therapist and Ivy. And Lupe. and well, she's a bird. Does that count? Well, we okay. know she's a and, and then Lupe, and then um, the 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 girlfriend of Benny. And there's also a one of the scientists is a woman who has a couple lines, but not with um, any other girls. Mm. But yes, the it's a pretty male dominated movie. It is, but I think maybe they can get away with that because the main character is an animal i don't know like i know it's very obvious he's a male Mm -hmm. but it's sort of i think more girls are able to relate to him because he's not just a guy Mm. he's a bird i don't know i mean it's true you were the one who was so affected by this movie as a kid i didn't even know it existed until you made me watch it yeah no yeah and watching the movie again like Birds are such beautiful creatures. Birds are pretty awesome. They are so pretty, and they're just so amazing, like, looking at them. Like, how can they do the things they do, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I was just watching um, 
Polly as in the beginning when a lot of the shots I feel like were an actual bird instead of an animatronic bird. Yeah, they did a really good job yeah. with the animatronic bird. They really did. They did a really good job. Yeah. But just like watching like their little like movements, like their head movements mm-hmm. and like their what are they talons and mm-hmm. their beak and everything. I'm just like, wow, these creatures are so amazing. Um and like I've never like really been up close with any birds before. Mm. I got bit by a chicken once. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, I don't know. I just like it. Why this is silly, but watching this movie made me really want a pet bird. Mm. Well, and I know he's not going to talk to me, mm. but I mean, they're just so we beautiful. Could, we could get a parrot. Yeah, we could. We can make that happen. Okay. All right. We can make that happen. Okay. Yeah, it's just. Out, and I think that's maybe part of the appeal of this movie too is that it's not a talking cat or a talking yeah. dog or a talking whatever it's a bird mm-hmm. like I can't think of another movie that had a talking bird as a main character at least not like a non-animated one yeah um so I just yeah, yeah I can't think of anything right off the top of the dome so it's kind of refreshing because like in the types of movies where you have talking cats or talking dogs like you have like it all sort of becomes the same because yeah. cats well, all behave the same, dogs all behave the same. Yeah, you have you have that sort of racial stereotype type thing going kind on, of, you yeah. know, like because the dogs are always stupid, the cats are always yeah. like really annoyed with the dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, you dumb idiot! You're mm-hmm. such a dog. So, like, the bird was like a refreshing choice because we didn't really have any preconceived notion about how a bird behaves. Yeah. So I like that a so lot. So they were able to turn him into an extra from Goodfellas. <laughs> um let's see something else i would like to talk about is the motivations of the villains in this movie yeah that's that's sort of what i was getting at too. yeah why don't you why don't you take the lead okay on so who are the villains the villains are the dad mm-hmm. benny mm-hmm. and the professor guy. yes all men yes so yeah, men are men. evil yep that's what we learned from this movie is that's that all they're trying to instill in children all at a young men age. are are evil <laughs> yes um well the dad doesn't really know how to be a dad and is self-conscious about that and mm-hmm. is not used to living in an environment with women because it's the 90s so there probably weren't a lot of women in in his army right. thing um benny is just a low-life grifter mm-hmm. and the professor is more focused on his work than the well-being of his subjects mm-hmm. um which is why he spites a bird <laughs> um sort of a villainy thing with the dad is that we hear at one point oh that's what i was thinking of when when um marie puts the princess hat and the little staff in polly's talons and sits him on top of the dollhouse that was oh yeah that was, that was adorable okay anyways but in that same scene we hear um marie we see marie hearing an argument between her parents about her dad saying why can't she talk right mm-hmm. and that Oh, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Because, like, you get the feeling that he doesn't love his daughter unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Like, he wanted to come home to his perfect little family, and she wasn't. Yeah. Which, again, is is due to that sort of military background. He, yeah. He comes, and he's like, I left this place, and everything was fine, and now it has fallen apart within, mm-hmm. you know, without me gone, so now I have to fix it now. Mm-hmm. Because you, wife, were not good enough to, you know, keep it good. Right. Um, which is why he ends up buying the cat. Oh, he's yeah, like, I forgot about oh, he's the like, cat. He's like, oh, you want a pet? Okay, here's here's a cat. Here's like a this, here's a traditional pet. This this bird is dumb. Yeah. Um, yeah. At, at no point did Polly ever have a cage with Marie. That's true. No, he didn't. He sort of he mentioned that once they got the cat, he Marie perched him on top of the. It was coat, a coat hanger. Coat, coat rack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was like it. Like he had sort of free roam until at least until the dad got there. Mm-hmm. Um, which which makes the the cage in in the lab mm-hmm. mean more. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm, for sure. Um, and so then we've got Benny, and mm-hmm. he's the he's the con con artist kind of guy. He we are introduced to him going into the pawn shop to sell some things that he stole. Yeah, so and, he's not even really like a con artist. He's just a thief. Yeah, he's just trying to make a quick buck. Um, and so I guess his motivation 
like he said talking parrot i could probably make some money off of that i don't know how but i probably could mm-hmm. he was sort of more of a an act before you think kind of guy i think yeah he was an opportunist yeah yeah he i don't know would we but we would definitely consider him a villain i would i would say so i mean yeah well the fact that when polly was in trouble he just dipped out that's true that that makes him a villain in my eyes because he's betraying the hero of the movie yeah yeah i think like it's kind of hard because like he okay yeah and he like stole polly from cheech and mm-hmm. got all of them potentially yeah. deported yeah he wasn't a great guy yeah and he didn't he didn't seem to treat his girlfriend very well either didn't seem like she really respected no, him she, didn't. She, she was probably with him because she thought he would make her rich and he was with her because she had nice boobs <laughs> yeah 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 he yeah i didn't like benny and i think at one point he said that he would take polly to find marie too and he never mm-hmm. did well yeah because oh he said you have to make money first so yeah. that's how he sort of roped him into checking out people's pin numbers and stealing their money yeah he said it's gonna take a lot of money to find marie because presumably you'd need to oh because he said phone books aren't cheap yeah, oh. that, that was one of those fun jokes oh. for the adults where it's like, what a no one just like leaves those at your door. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, yes, they do. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have anything else before trivia? Um, yes, let's see. Let's see, let's see. A fun little topic that I think we touched on a little bit. Accents and impressions. Mm. So I am wondering, is it ever possible... To have a an actor mm-hmm. portray a character outside of their race, race or ethnicity and have it not come off as offensive? No. <laughs> I don't think so well, either. I was hmm. trying to think of examples. Um, I was not super offended by Mark Ruffalo in Spotlight playing Puerto Rican. I haven't seen that, so... Because um, it wasn't really brown face or anything. He just talked weird and said it at one point because... It, it does matter. He just said it at one point. Um, let's see. I mean, Americans playing British people and vice versa isn't really that that yeah, big of a deal. I don't think so. Um, I just like I feel like every time a character, and I mean an actor, plays a character outside of their personal like um, race or ethnicity in a really obvious way, mm-hmm. that it's really hard for them to not rely on stereotypes in their speech yeah well that's the shortcoming of the actor for not doing the research is is what it comes down to because daniel day lewis you know he he's like scottish or something you hear him talk normally and he's you can't hardly understand the dude because he's so not american right um but he does lots of research and gets into his role really really deeply so that when he plays you know there will be blood guy you believe that he is straight out of that time period and straight out of that place and you believe it mm-hmm. um uh, you know is so like americans playing europeans and europeans playing americans you know it's like that well white europeans yeah yeah, yeah. um but I guess like the further east into Europe you go, mm-hmm. the more stereotypical it gets. And I, I don't know if I find that offensive. I just find it lazy. Yeah. You know, I don't find that nearly as offensive as someone doing like blackface or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it's because race seems to be a bigger deal than ethnicity does to okay. most people. I mean, people on the alt-right mm-hmm. of the political spectrum are really really interested in ethnicity mm-hmm. i've read many a youtube comment battle about whether or not germanic and slavic people should actually be considered white europeans <laughs> which is really <laughs> hilarious to me um well because the the purest europeans are the norse people mm-hmm. and then so the further away from from that scandinavian region the more ethnic mixing there has been yeah. with with everything else um but yeah, I mean, like the fact that in Hemlock Grove, all the people who were gypsies were just like white. White, yeah, and with you're dark like, hair. And you're like, wait, mm-hmm. gypsies have like Indian descent, yeah, and are really, really ethnically diverse and mixed, and you guys are just white, yeah. <laughs> um, like, I'm- but again, like I don't know. I guess it's just like what we're aware of and paying attention to in the social consciousness at the time, right? Because mm-hmm. I was not offended by that. But, again, we don't pay much attention to, like, the plight of the, the ethnically gypsy, you mm-hmm. know. 
Um, we, we in our social time right now are very concerned with black Americans and Hispanic or Latinx Americans. Mm-hmm. And like, that's kind of it, yeah. you know, um, every once in a while you'll see some sort of race, uh, racial Asian stereotype and go, ah, that's, that's, uh. do you remember when we watched breakfast at Tiffany's? Oh my God. Yes. Mickey Rooney playing yeah, that Asian man. That was awful. That was the type of thing that... I mean, that was literally uh, yellow face. Yeah, it was. It was awful. Um, yeah, that was jarring. It really was. It, it took me it out was. of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, like, I guess Tony Shalhoub playing a Russian man, like, it wasn't... It wasn't offensive. It was just bad. It was kind of bad. Like, the the accent was not any better than me doing a Russian accent. No. I mean... <sighs> it's like he watched a couple James Bond movies as research and then was like, no, I got it. Yeah. And I don't like at what I wonder at what point it becomes less the fault of the actor and more the fault of the director, whoever, for saying, you know what, that's good enough. Yes. And I guess if, if anything, I'm blaming it on it being a kids' movie. That's what I was gonna say. Like kids aren't gonna, unless kids the care. kids are a Russian kid or yeah. but Israeli he, but, or whatever. But, but Tony even Shalhoub even is. then, I don't I don't know what Tony Shalhoub is. He he seems Jewish. I'll look it me. up. Um. But I mean, he's he's certainly not Russian. No. Um, but again, even kids like I I think even Russian American kids probably wouldn't be that upset by it. You know, mm-hmm. like you you don't need to go that far for kids, which is why so many kids movies just suck because you only have to do the bare minimum for the kids to enjoy it. Um, and if you tell a movie making company that they only have to do the bare minimum and can still make. $400 million in opening weekend, then they'll just do that. Tony Shalhoub is... His parents are Lebanese. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, would you like to hear some trivia? I do. All right. There isn't a lot for this movie, which is sad. That's fine. Okay. So first we've got animal stunt coordinator Boone Narr arranged seven separate bird casting calls involving over 38 species. <laughs> Blue crown conure parrots were deemed best, and 14 of them were used in the production. Different Holy birds cow. with different personalities fitting into different scenes. Jeez. For scenes that were too dangerous for live parrots or needed complex facial expressions and close-ups, an animatronic poly was created at the Stan Winston studio and was used for those scenes. Okay, I am now trying to remember what TV show it is where there is a character who is a casting agent for animals. Oh, yeah. Um, New Girl. Is, is it New Girl? Yeah, Winston who, brings in his cat. Yeah, so who is the character? The character was, was it just Allie's of, boyfriend. Allie's boyfriend. Oh. Before she broke up before with him. Before she broke started, up with him. Spoilers for New Girl. Oh, my God. last season, though. It's okay. Uh, okay. But yeah, that's like that's such an interesting job to me. Like, cause you have to know so much about animals and also know about the film industry. Yeah, which, which is a weird cross section. It really like, is. Hey, hey, what are you majoring in? Oh, biology and film and video. Yeah, <laughs> I'm double majoring in 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 wildlife conservation and also uh, movie. Yeah, making. That's that's pretty great. Um, let's see. Oh, I thought this was this was interesting too. Buddy Hackett auditioned to do the voice of Polly, but lost to Jay Moore, who plays Benny in the movie. He also does the voice of Polly. Do, is that him? Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, but the trivia is that Buddy Hackett auditioned to do the voice of Polly, but lost to Jay Moore, who did an impression of Buddy Hackett in his audition. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Buddy Hackett does appear in the film as a small role, in a small role as Artie, the pawnbroker. During his scene, Jay Moore also appears in person as Benny. So you've got Jay Moore oh, no. playing Benny and Polly, and then Buddy Hackett, who wanted to be Benny, oh, but is played no. by the same guy who did Polly. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, Why did the director... What is the next one about this feud that the director had with Buddy Hackett before this movie was made? No, the next piece of trivia is that this was Buddy Hackett's final appearance in a theatrical film. Oh, my God. <laughs> No! Oh, God, that sucks. That is... Oh, uh, yeah. That sucks. <laughs> I would be a ghost if I were Buddy Hackett, and I would, I, would, I, would be, I would be haunting some people right now. That just sucks. It does. That does really suck. You lose out 
to a guy who did an impression of you in his audition. That's so sad. Uh, All right. So does Jay Moore get paid double? I don't. I would assume so because he did two roles. Yeah. Who were two pretty main. And I think roles. in the credits it did it did say that it was a union film. So how does that work? I don't know. I would assume he was sharing paid everything. For both show roles. at gmail yes, please, because nobody has emailed us yet, and I really want to talk to somebody. So just email us. She wants to talk to someone, not her husband. On no, the show. I think it would be fun to talk back to somebody like on the show, um, like have a conversation with any of the two people who might be listening. Yeah. Um, this movie is listed as one of actress Amy Adams' favorite movies, and I love Amy Adams, so I love that she loves this movie. Yeah. And our final piece of uh, trivia. Marie's father jokingly calls Polly Professor, and Jay Moore, the voice of Polly, plays a professor named Rick Payne in the TV series Ghost Whisperer. I don't know if that's anything, but... Sometimes IMDb has <laughs> has these weird connections. But the thing is, the TV series Ghost Whisperer was on the air from 2005 to 2010, and this movie was made in 1995. So it's, so it's not a reference... No, it's not. It's not, a reference it's not, to it's not even relevant. Ghost Whisperer, he just... So some some real bored neckbeard yep. was sitting on his couch one day. It was was his couch one day, <laughs> and said, "Wait a minute, <laughs> I remember now." He said, "Professor, could that be the studios hinting at the Ghost Whisperer TV show, which would come out seven years after the ten years, ten years, nineteen ninety five to two thousand five? The movie came out in two thousand five or nineteen ninety eight. The show came out in two thousand five." seven years no the movie came out in 1995 no oh wait 1998 that's yeah. right okay 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 numbers are hard they are just ask your brother <laughs> anyway any, any inside jokes on a podcast inside <laughs> jokes everybody inside jokes when what anything else yeah is there anything else you'd like to say about this movie oh i just like it when people make kids movies and respect their audience Mm-hmm. It's really nice. We, 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 you, I've been making you watch a lot of those red letter media mm-hmm. videos, and um, their biggest complaint about anything that they see when they have complaints about it tends to be that this was just a cynical cash grab. Yeah. And this movie didn't seem like a cynical cash grab movie. No. Like, sometimes I feel <laughs> like people who make media for children do it just because it's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, because. Guys, it's not hard to make media. Like, have you read a children's book? Literally anybody can write a children's book. <laughs> you know, anybody can write a script for, for a kid's movie and have it sell, you know, and can have it picked up by DreamWorks Animation and, and make some dumb Madagascar 6 movie mm-hmm. and it'll make a bunch of money and nobody will care. Like, there's how many Elvin and the Chipmunks movies of the, of the, like the new Jason Lee know. era? There's like three or four. Yeah. Maybe five. And they're awful. They're just dreadful. Because um, there's no heart in them. Yeah, there's no heart. And this movie had a lot of heart. And mm-hmm. that's that's what I really, really like about this movie. The fact that this movie, like, made me care. Yeah. You know, like... I mean, you know, we're, we're adults, so we are technically above this movie. You mm-hmm. know, like... Most of our time is spent watching either crappy B-horror movies because I make you watch crappy B-horror movies or really like academic movies because I similarly make you watch really academic movies. Um, And so it was nice to have a light movie that also had substance to it. Because even for adult movies, that doesn't happen. You know, I I can't sit down with just any rom-com and expect it to be made as lovingly as Polly was made. Yeah. Um, And I really, really, really appreciate that on the part of the writer and the director and the studio for getting out of the way because mm-hmm. there weren't any dumb fart jokes there was no, no physical comedy Mm-mm. you know this wasn't some dumb kevin james paul blart mall barf eight you know <laughs> like because those are technically are those like pg or pg-13 PG the, they're pg-13 yeah. okay so they're they're not kids movies but no. they are movies for like younger mm-hmm. people yeah um yeah this this movie treated kids like smart people. Yeah. Instead of, 
oh, a dumb little blob that sits in front of the TV and can maybe pay attention for 20 minutes. Yeah, no, this was this was a movie to help a, a young person grow, not mom needs 90 minutes to herself Yeah. Um, now. So here are bright flashing lights and loud noises. Mm-hmm. And um, that to me is important to treat children like actual people. Mm-hmm. And not like subhumans or like I don't know things things that don't deserve respect mm-hmm. or or to be heard or anything because there 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 was that in this movie that frustration of no one listening to Marie about yeah. the parrot. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all like, "Oh, her imagination is so wild." Um, yeah. and uh, you know. I'm not saying in real life we need to believe it when kids say, oh, there was a ghost in my room last night. Like, no. <laughs> no, there's no ghosts. You just turn off forever when you die, kid. But, like, you know. But, like, don't, like, shame them for having an imagination. Yeah. yeah. Because then, then, because when you stifle an entire generation of children, what you get is these four Transformers movies that are <laughs> just wretched. Yeah, you know, you get a you get a whole generation of summer blockbusters that have no heart, that are cynical cash grabs, that have CGI where practical effects could have easily be used, who have actors that don't care, made by writers that are just looking for a paycheck, and producers who are just looking to get money, made by studios who are making female Ghostbusters movies that should not be representing the feminist agenda, who are you know, and directors who. Are, are just having the life stomped out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, that Suicide Squad movie, David Ayers, who directed that, directed Fury, which I love, mm-hmm. and that Suicide Squad movie is just going to, like, trash his name because the yeah. studio ruined it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's awful. And this this movie is one of those shining beacons of hope that's like, okay, well, if we could do this in 1998, just think of what we could do eight years later. Well, that's or, kind of what I was just 20 20 18 years later it's kind of what i was just thinking about is that another kids movie that treats kids as people who can think and like care about characters and things like that i know what you're gonna say zootopia Zootopia. yeah also an animal movie but it's animated it is animated that's probably one of the smartest kids movies i've ever seen oh yeah they talk they have like complex race issues and and not one-to-one like foxes are black mm-hmm. people and weasels are Hispanic and yeah. and rabbits are white and yeah like there's there's not that in there either it's just mm-hmm. like hey you know don't discount a person because they're different from yeah. you um which is yeah no Zootopia is, is is one of those great um films yeah like that well you know Pixar does good stuff that's true turns but out. I'd say Turn, turns out Pixar makes the best movies <laughs> I just think it's great that there are examples of movies like that that we can just sort of come up with because basically it's just a sea of sludge of kids movies in the world and Mm -hmm. so it makes me happy that there are some that are actually going to inform some kids and you know sort of shape them into being good people yeah you know i i I kind of would say like we're doing a movie podcast and i've seen probably like 400 movies this year Mm um i'd say about 60 percent of movies are not great yeah um and 10% are really good and important, and then 30% are worth your time. Yeah. Um, you know, like, simply worth your time. There's a great Seinfeld joke where George and Jerry are talking, and George is like, what percentage of people do you think are actually dateable in this world? And Jerry's like, I think 10. I think 10% of people are worth dating. Jeez. Um, and you're like... And, and George is like, you mean 90% of people are undateable? Undateable! Um, and I think all those undateable people are the reason why we have Transformers movies. <laughs> okay. So. Well. I, th- I think that's it. That's what I gotta say. Now that now that I've alienated a whole bunch of people, let's... Uh, Would you like to tell us where people can find us? Yeah. Noisemakerjoe.com slash sharing everything. You can find us on iTunes mm-hmm. and anywhere good podcasts are found. And uh, you can email the show at uh, sharing everything show at gmail.com. That's thanks, wife. You're welcome. And what are you planning on showing me next week? I'm planning on showing you the witch. The 
scary. Scary. Spoopy, scary skeletons. Send shivers up your spine. (laughs) All right. Well, until then, keep talking, keep loving, and keep sharing.